0: When I did AGT, the number one question I got was, "How do you train your dogs to remember all of those tricks? All of, like, how do I remember all
1: of those things?" <laughs> you bring in the choreographer. Five, six, seven, eight. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Drew here. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors for today's show. First, Wonder Walker. A walk with your dog should be well, a walk in the park, not a tug of war. The harness you choose should be safe for both you and your dog. As you know, I train dogs professionally and the truth is that sometimes even trainers need a little help. For me, that means I prefer it when the dogs I'm training wear the best equipment. When it comes to harnesses, I ask my clients to get the Wonder Walker body harness for their dog because it will help me, them, and the dog meet our training goals as quickly and as safely as possible. I discovered Wonder Walker in 2009 and I've been using them ever since. The harnesses were developed in 2003 and they're still handmade by the same family owned business in Seattle. They're the original no pull harness. Here's why I'm such a huge fan. First, because the harness has two leash connections with five points of adjustment. So it's simple to fit for any size and breed. Second, since they fit properly, they help prevent injury and pain, which are common occurrences when using these mediocre harnesses. The bottom line, Wonder Walker has been my go-to harness for over 15 years. Visit wonderwalkerbodyhalter.com and use promo code LOVEDOG at checkout for 10% off discount. LOVEDOG is one word. That's wonderwalkerbodyhalter.com. Promo code LOVEDOG. Also, I see and use a lot of treats in my line of work as a certified dog behavior consultant. And to be honest with you, a lot of them are pretty terrible. That's why I use Fig and Tyler's treats when I'm training dogs. FYI, everyone, they have a generous discount program for pet professionals and pet parents, and they've established an exclusive discount program for our listeners of the podcast. The treats come in a variety of proteins, pet pro size bags that last, and morsel-sized treats that are perfect for training. Fig and Tyler treats are made from single ingredient USDA human-grade inspected meat that aligns with my personal and professional values. They're also great for managing weight issues and it allows me to be careful with those dogs who have specific allergy concerns and dietary issues for me fig and tyler is peace of mind in a bag no mystery ingredients no additives no fillers they offer a wide variety of treats like chicken hearts duck liver tilapia beef liver and goat's cheese They also offer custom bundles, so you'll be able to mix things up a bit. I love that about this brand. So I say let's treat dogs to what I know to be the very best treats. Industry professionals will love the pet pro perks. Pet parents will love the smile on their dog's faces and the special discount program. Please sign up on their website today. You'll be glad you did. Visit figandtyler.com. F-I-G-A-N-D-T-Y-L-E-R.com. Promo code LOVEDOG most importantly, enjoy. Now, let's get on with the show.
0: So I actually think that you made a good point that I'm going to touch on is a lot of people look at it exactly how you just described it. They see a dog do this cool thing and they're like, that's an amazing dog trick. When teaching your dog how to sit is a dog trick. So anything related to training an animal is trick training.
1: Hey Drew. Hey Mark. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm so excited about today's episode. We're bringing the energy today. I'm Mark Drucker and I am the founder of Love Dog. Yeah and I'm Drew Webster. I'm a senior partner here at Love Dog but also I'm a certified dog behavior consultant and today on our show we've got a super duper star
2: yeah, Sarah Carson, it's a bit of a different kind of show for us we've We've typically had on veterinarians and we've talked about some very serious medical and veterinary type issues, nutrition issues. This is just to lighten things up a bit. Sarah is a celebrity. She's an influencer on social media without going too much into it. I just love this, her story about going on to America's Got Talent a few years ago. She's on there and Simon does a whole thing with her. It was very unexpected. It was very authentic and very exciting, I think, and very scary for her. So I love that story, I think, of all the stories.
1: Well it's so interesting listening to the story. And then, you know, if you pop over to YouTube and watch it, it just gives you a richer understanding of what was going on and how she basically didn't make it past the audition, but Simon advocated for it. So it was really incredible to watch and hear her story. And be beyond being on America's Got Talent She's an incredible dog trainer. I met her years ago at a conference. And what she does for our listeners who don't know Sarah Carson is she travels the country doing stunt dog and theater performances, which basically means live dogs working in shows with really a ton of incredible training that's on display and in real time. And basically, if anybody's never had to rely on a dog to perform under pressure, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So she's got some funny and hilarious and traumatizing stories about doing that work and <laughs> her roaming the country with her training band of dogs. And, you know, the, how dog training tricks people think of as like this incredible thing, but it's really just behavior. And so there's really no difference between, you know, teaching your dog to sit and stay and teaching your dog to do a handstand and walk backwards across the room in her playbook.
2: She's a big deal. She is and I kind think of a big she's dude. off onto the road again. She spends most of her time on the road with her dog. So I say we just get right into the interview. Drew, what do you think?
1: On with the show. Hey, hey, hey. We are very excited to have here on Love Dog, Sarah Carson, a.k.a. the Super Collie's mom. Sarah, welcome to Love Dog. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: No, thank you for having me.
1: Hey, Sarah, how are you?
0: I'm fantastic. How are you? It's
1: really good. It's really good that you're
2: here. So you are this super woman, I think, super busy. Uh, You travel the country. You perform at stunt dog shows, theater, schools, variety acts. You serve on a board. You have a training business. I think you work with veterans. So tell us, what is... A day in the life of Sarah Carson-like?
0: Um, honestly, it's it varies. It really does vary, but I'll try and give you, like, a really busy day. Um, so I have some theater shows coming up, and that's basically going to involve me packing up the dogs in either the car or the RV, uh, making sure I have all the props and treats and all those gadgets that I need for the show, and then driving a lot. I drive a lot. <laughs> so... <laughs> It, it involves a lot of driving, a lot of commuting, um, and then for theaters, that's like a whole like rock star life of loading in the theater, rehearsal, lunch, performing, and then packing up and doing it all again the next day. So my days definitely are are always different, which I think is a part of the reason I love what I do, because it just it's constantly changing. But um, yeah, they're 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 pretty busy.
1: <laughs> I'm just picturing you in your car full of dogs pulling up outside the theater, <laughs> unloading like a clown car. How, how many dogs are usually in the car at once when you go to a show?
0: So normally I don't bring more than four unless it's the RV. Um, yeah, you don't I want just to have overdo an it. SUV. Four. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little hard to just pack them all in there. So for like long gigs we bring the rv so i travel with six dogs and two cats
1: you've come a long way from the rav4 <laughs> from when i met you
0: <laughs> hey so, i have a rav4 again <laughs> all right
1: i think you and i met and we were both talking about cramming dogs in our rav4s and we were going to change the name to rough four and try to get sponsored
0: <laughs> yes i love anyway, that. anyway you were
1: on america's got talent right Yes, of times. back in
0: 2017, and then I was a guest in 2019.
2: So I have to ask, what was it like to have Simon come up to you on stage that after someone had said no to you, and he apparently you? didn't like that?
0: It was pretty wild. I mean, when the incident happened, and I'm calling it an incident because when I got off stage, they made me talk to a psychiatrist. Um, it was like – it. it It is so hard to explain, but it's basically like you spend your whole life working on something, and then you think that you're great at it, and so you go on international television and then get told that you suck. So that feeling (laughs) was pretty traumatic. So being able to have that opportunity where Simon came up on stage and was like, I understand what this is, and it's incredible, and you guys just need to wake up and see it too. Um, Yeah, that was it was life-changing.
1: Well, for our listeners, if if you haven't seen it yet, Sarah and her dog Hero do this incredible audition in like Pirates of the Caribbean theme style sword fighting, like absolutely incredible audition. I don't think they had ever seen anything like that. I don't know if there had been dog acts on the show before that. And, you know, you're, you're sitting there just putting yourself out there in this vulnerable place. And not only did you not get the yeses, but Howie and... I think Mel B um, both kind of had disparaging comments about, like, I didn't see cool tricks or anything amazing. I'm sitting there as a dog trainer, like, what the hell were you watching? That was amazing. So I thought that was really incredible and, like, a really sweet moment of humanity for, you know, somebody, Simon, who puts up this really kind of hard exterior. It, it was really cool to see him come and embrace you and and to you to have that moment, that very vulnerable moment. It and
2: was, it was it a was very incredible.
1: authentic moment, right?
0: I mean, it, it was very real. Everyone wants to think that those types of shows are scripted. But I mean, that that was pretty real. <laughs> like
1: nobody wrote, get your heart ripped out on national TV. Yeah. <laughs> on my script, thank you. <laughs> exactly. And the audience was going crazy when they were saying no. They were
2: angry. You oh, were yeah. in tears. Yeah. They were angry. Simon's like, what's going on here? And it all worked out. He wasn't going to take no for an answer, was he? I just thought it was an amazing thing to watch. Yeah. You were the first person that I think he's ever done that to, he said.
0: At the time, yeah. I I believe he did it once more the next season. Um, But yes, I was the first person. Wow. It was amazing.
1: You and Hero were changing hearts and minds. Well, and if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and watch it. It's incredible because not only is the audition incredible, but it's like this awesome moment. And you can hear in the background, people going absolutely crazy, like, like Sarah's kitty's cheering for her right now. (laughs) I love it. But you know, I, I loved it because not only did you get through that audition, you went in and you just kept putting in the work. And that really showed uh, as a dog trainer watching that, I was just shocked every time you would come out and do something else. I was like, Oh, wow. How did you come up with that? And how did you create the next uh routine how much time did you and have in between y- those
0: oh gosh not not a lot of time at all um the only one I actually had a lot of time for was the quarterfinals and then after that it was like a week it was not a lot of time but I will say that it all kind of just worked out because if I had gone on the show any sooner I don't think we would have been as successful just mm. because the timelines and. You you don't have enough time to just train new behaviors for yeah. the next thing. So you need to have a whole bunch of things already on your plate. So, yeah, I, I do think, like, timing-wise, it worked out really well.
1: So people hear me talk about things like behavioral repertoires a lot. Were most of the things that you used in there are stuff that – hero especially had in the behavioral repertoire already i know there was a couple crazy new ones you threw at him through the journey like diving off a platform into a ball pit which you can tell us more about but were most of those skills that you would say were fluent for hero at the time when you went on a hundred
0: percent yeah hundred percent off the top of my head the only new ones for the 2017 run was the cpr trick and then this is going to be really dumb but The producer wanted him to play volleyball, and he'd never done that before. (laughs) I'd throw the ball, and he would just want to bite it. So that was a new thing that we were working on as well. He'd done the ball pit before, but for some reason in rehearsal did not want to jump into it. And so that was a really stressful moment. And if you watch that finale again, you can just see, like, my facial expression is terrible, but I was just so happy he jumped Um yeah. And then the 2019 was a bunch of new behaviors that were trained specifically for the show.
1: And that was when you went on for champions in 2019? Yes. So you were yeah, on the show like again for that first thing. episode of Champions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So give our listeners an idea of how many repetitions and time you're putting in with your dogs to get those behaviors to a place where you feel confident enough to go out on a stage, whether you're doing theater or America's Got Talent. Like, what does that look like when you come up with your routines as far as like making sure those behaviors are something you feel like you can rely on?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I only train my dogs about twice a day. Everything else is like hiking or frisbee, like fun activities for them. But normally when I'm home, I bring all of them into the garage. We do a lot of place work. Each dog gets their session. I'm talking like 12 minutes each maybe. And then we try and do that twice a day. Once the behavior is solid in the garage, I'll start taking them to Lowe's or just like a local park local um, outdoor malls, places where there's going to be people and distractions for them. I mean, just recently, I rented a training facility just to take my dogs to just so they could do it in a new place. So it was really, it's really all about just proofing the behaviors.
1: You take your dogs into (laughs) some serious, distracting environments with unbelievable things. Like, I I remember seeing a shot of you in those um, audition rooms for AGT. And it's just like, Thousands of human beings, like literally, like juggling and doing backflips around you and Hero hanging out in there. What was that like?
0: Yeah, yeah. L- honestly, I couldn't have done that show with any other dog. Like Hero was so solid. By the time we were doing AGT, that n- nothing really concerned me. He was never in a crate. He was always just laying down next to wherever I was. He was never on a leash. He always was just following me, healing. He, he was very – like he's the best dog. So I, I truly could not have wished for a better partner for the show.
2: Let me ask you a question. Is Do you feel like there's some sort of special connection that you have to have to the dog in order to get them to perform for you? Because if you think about it, Drew knows that he's connected to his dog. I know that I'm connected to mine, and everybody knows they're connected to theirs. But not everybody does what you do. So is there something – remarkable or extraordinary going on here, or it just develops over time because of how you work them?
0: So I don't want to knock the fact that having a good relationship with your dog is important, but I don't think it matters in this aspect. I think it's about work ethic. Like my dogs will do this like for anybody. It doesn't matter. Like they just love to, to work. And so I've had dogs that I've rehomed because they don't enjoy performing. They're great Dogs, I could take them hiking, I could take them to breweries, I could hang out with them. And like I had good relationships with those dogs, but they didn't want to perform. They didn't enjoy it, they didn't want to travel. That's what that's the special aspect is I have two dogs right now that they live to perform. They absolutely love it. And again, they'll do it for anybody, doesn't have to be me.
1: Well, and Sarah, I've heard you describe that relationship as. you know, moving away from what people think, you know, your handle, the super collie's mom, to more of like a coworker and kind of companion friend relationship where you guys are doing something together and, and yeah. you are really careful about selecting those dogs and trying to find the dogs who can join you in this kind of working yeah, lifestyle. I mean, I,
0: it's a, and that's exactly what it is. Like, yes, they're my dogs, but they're truly like my coworkers. I mean, we go to work together and I I don't force dogs to do stuff. And I don't think anybody should force dogs to do stuff. And even not just in the performing aspect, like service work or yeah. police work, like it takes special dogs to do these types of things. And so over the years, I mean, there's been four dogs that I've trained. They're They're incredible. They can all do the things, but They're just not cut out for the traveling and the performing aspect of it.
2: Do you feel like there are certain breeds that have these proclivities, some more than other, or no?
0: I would say maybe some more than others, but every every breed is capable. I mean, I have a Golden Retriever right now that has the drive of a Malinois. So it really doesn't matter (laughs) too much. It just depends on, like, the dog.
1: Talk about that a little. You just said the drive and – Mark, this is kind of how a lot of uh, canine professionals talk about what Sarah's talking about, that working drive, where You might have innate behavioral patterns that you can kind of turn on in the dog to do these things and perform. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of times what we're looking for when we're looking for selection in the therapy dog world, where I spend a lot of time, we talk about it as goodness for fit, Sarah. So like, The same thing where I could walk through a behavior test with a lot of these, you know, German shepherd types and, you know, herding breeds and stuff, but they don't want to do the schmoozy stuff that maybe the golden retrievers would absolutely Mm -hmm. love. Or Mark's dog, Hank, who might just thrive when I'm like, I just want this dog to cuddle in my lap while I do this intervention strategy. So talk about that, like selection and goodness of fit for us.
0: I mean, I actually just recently tested a dog who I am adopting and for her, I just took. Wait, her are we divorce. breaking
1: news right now?
0: <laughs> no, it's been announced. <laughs> it was announced yesterday, though, so it's very new news. But we should take that again, and like, you just
1: say emphatically, "Yes!" Here on Love Dog News, <laughs> breaking: Sarah Carson adopting new dog. Who is this dog? Tell us.
0: Breaking news. Um, So she's a year and a half old border collie. Um, I swore off females. I was not going to get another female. But my dad is taking Marvel, who's retiring, at about nine years old. And so I just looked. She was two hours away. I just went over and looked. And her evaluation was taking her to Lowe's, letting her pull on a leash, letting her greet random people, greet random kids. We did not run into any dogs, but I had seen videos of her with dogs. And basically just letting her show me who she is in a brand new environment. And so you can learn a lot about a dog. I mean, I have one right now that can't even walk on slick surfaces. So it's it's really interesting to be able to just take a dog out of their home and just let them let them be and show you who they are. So with this dog, I had food, I had treats, I got to see like what her balance is and what she preferred food reward or uh, toys. And I mean, I was teaching her new tricks right off the bat there and she was perfectly fine. So I would say that like the selection process really is just finding a dog that is confident and driven, like I said, with toys and, and food and just friendly. I mean, I I just want a dog that is really happy and not super nervous or concerned about something in particular. So yeah.
2: Well, I wouldn't mind shifting gears just for a second. And I want to know what it's like to be an Instagram star.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> we I mean, we both laugh. Yeah, a dog
1: influencer.
2: You're an Instagram star, you're an influencer and that's like a full-time job. When you become that big, you become a celebrity in a way. I just want to know what it's like and does it deliver for you? Is it essential? Are you
1: loving it? Do you hate it? Is it too much work? Mark, you should know Sarah's a little bit of a hipster social media person. That she was <laughs> she was influencing before it was cool. Like she was blowing yeah, up the what? internet. <laughs> she was blowing up the internet before Insta TikTok existed, right? Take us back. I was a using Vine. Like, <laughs> did you just drop Vine on our podcast? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I like to think that I'm not just an influencer only because I influence people in real life. Um, I perform in front of thousands of people, especially like at fairs where it's three three sold out shows a day for weeks. But yeah, like Drew just said, I've I've been on social media before it was cool. I guess is that a thing? But I do really enjoy having social media only because of the reach and. Um, I constantly make friends. I actually was just hanging out with people last night who I literally met on Instagram. So it really is an interesting platform. I don't really use TikTok all that much. I'm mostly on in Instagram and Facebook. But it's, it's kind of fun when you just post random videos. Like I literally just film all my training sessions and post them for everyone to see. And some of them actually like blow up and people get really into it. And it's just inspiring just regular pet parents to try out what I'm doing so I, I don't like the word influencer but I do social media campaigns for companies all the time so I guess I kind of have to own it at some point
1: oh dog entrepreneur is that what I
0: think we're gonna be hiring Sarah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's she's gonna make it go
2: viral she will refer people to us she won't <laughs> there you go she will not influence people to Come to us. Well, that? Sarah, that it's kind of
1: full circle because I remember you saying, you know, Mark, if you don't know all about Sarah's backstory, she started very, very young and was kind of self taught. Is that right, Sarah? Weren't you like yeah. geeking out on Zach George videos on YouTube <laughs> or something as part of That's your. That's how I started. Uh, your, Zach
0: George and Kira Sundance.
1: There you go. Exactly. Um, you shared a stage with Kira Sundance at APDT in Las Vegas. I remember that. Mm hmm. Yep. And Hero, that's where I met Hero. I still show my children pictures of me with Hero. I'm like, see, I know Hero. Like, and, <laughs> and not to take you down, but like, Hero oh, is no, like I up get it. here. Like, you know that dog, Drew. My kids think I know every dog in the universe because that happens uh, when we're out in the world, where we run into somebody and they're like, oh, "It's Drew. It's our dog trainer."
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable.
2: Hey, we're gonna take a quick break right now. And when we come back, I'm gonna ask Sarah about dog tricks. Specifically, how does she know when a dog's got the stuff and when a dog just doesn't and should stay off the stage? So stick around and find out. And we'll be back in a bit.
1: Hey, I hope you're enjoying our episode so far. And I wanna thank the fine folks who've been helping bring it to you. Starting with Fig and Tyler. Holy mackerel, is your dog ever a little bit of a turkey? Do they ever ignore you, treat you like your chopped liver? (laughs) That was super cheesy. Wait, those are all different proteins you can try from Fig and Tyler. Fig and Tyler makes these premium dog treats that I use in my training programs and with my own dog. And you can make your own custom bundles. So try them today. They have a special offer for our listeners. You can go to figandtyler.com and put love dog in the promo code at checkout pet parents receive 10% off your first order they also have this amazing program for pet professionals if you're a pet pro go to figandtyler.com look for the pet pros tab and click join program again put love dog in the referral tab so they know i sent you you're gonna love these treats so will your dog that's a promise and also wonder walker as i mentioned earlier these harnesses were developed in 2003 and they're still handmade in seattle by the same family and what I know is that a lot of love, care, and passion go into these harnesses to make sure the quality is never sacrificed. They're available in extra small to extra large and an endless range of colors. They make walks with your dogs easier and a lot safer for you and the dog. Visit WonderWalkerBodyHalter.com and use promo code LOVEDOG at checkout. Now back to our show.
2: Dog tricks. They are a thing. It's just occurring to me. And I I can't even imagine how you would get into dog tricks and then how you learn to teach the dog tricks. Can you just like talk about what's involved and how you got into it? And I know it's used in many different environments and many different forums. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I just think it's fascinating. You've made a, a life and a career out of. Many things, but dog tricks is a big part of them, right?
0: Yeah. So I actually think that you made a good point that I'm going to touch on is a lot of people look at it exactly how you just described it. They see a dog do this cool thing and they're like, that's an amazing dog trick. When teaching your dog how to sit is a dog trick. So anything related to training an animal is trick training. Some of it's just more fun than others. Like my dogs can't walk on leashes because that's boring. <laughs> but it's still a dog trick. And
2: neither can <laughs> Hank and I got a $100 ticket the other day. Thank you. Oh
0: my god. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Obey your local leash laws, right?
0: But but no, like it's it every everything you train your dog is a trick. So yeah. I think that when people get that aspect of it, it becomes a little easier. Like even I know when people bring home a new dog, they teach it to roll over and they're like, this is the best thing ever. But honestly, like sit down, stay, leave it here. Like those are all dog tricks. So um, that's actually why I decided to write my book, How I Wrote It. It's basically just every single thing you need to train your dog in one book because they're all dog tricks.
2: Yes, but to get onto America's Got Talent and do everything else that you do, you're going a lot farther than just sit, shake lie down, roll over. I mean, I saw what what you do. I (laughs) I want to know how, (laughs) how you do it.
0: (laughs) I I think that with the specific breed that I have, they need a job. And so like I have five Border Collies and a Field Golden that is bred for work. So those dogs sometimes even just come up with their own dog tricks. Um, And I just build on that. Like, um, what my one dog, Joker, he didn't know how to rebound, and he one day just pushed off of me beautifully, as if I trained it his entire life. And he just did that himself, and I rewarded it, and I kept building up on it. Tell
1: everybody what rebound means, Sarah. Uh,
0: rebound is when they take all four paws and jump off of you, kind of like a fly ball box turn. They're basically doing a backflip off of your body.
2: Well, you know, actually, this brings up an interesting point, because I've had two Goldens, Now I have this lab. And I I have often talked about and thought about how they make up their own games. And a lot of times those games involved you. And so you just have to kind of go with it, I guess, and see where they're going to take it.
0: Yeah. My golden golden does that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And the interesting thing is when you get your next golden and you expect them to just do that and they don't do anything like that, but they have their own repertoire. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So is that part of it? You, you Like you said, you took your dog in, into Lowe's. You just wanted to see how they were going to do in a new environment and get to know the dog that way. Mm-hmm. So does that begin to guide you as to what you can do with the dog or just how for lack of a better word talented <laughs> the dog is or might yeah, be. Yeah, so
0: so the word I would use is I I use it to gauge how stable the dog is. Stable. Yep, to make sure the dog isn't um, freaked out by people, noises, smells, just random things. So they
2: don't become distracted easily.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah, or scared because I mean I've I've definitely evaluated dogs at Lowe's and they have sweaty paw pads walking through the store because they're nervous. Um, They are constantly looking at every sight and sound that is approaching us. Like this dog that I evaluated, she was just glued to me. I let her go and say hi to people because I want to see how she reacted to that. But for the most part, if I had food or toys out, she was glued to me and just wanted whatever I had. So that's a dog that 100%, in my opinion, would succeed in what I do.
2: I think now would be a good time to break away for a moment and just mention to our listeners that there are a number of ways, important ways, that they can support us. If you're listening and you're enjoying the show and you're finding it helpful, here's what you can do. One, you can spread the word. Word of mouth is the best way to get the message out there. And tell anybody you know, a friend, a family member who has a dog that you think might also enjoy it and find it helpful, just to take a listen. That would be amazing. You can follow us on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Our handle is at love dog news. That's at love dog news. And the most fun is you can buy us a cup of coffee. You can go to Kofi, which is K-O dash F like Frank I.com slash love dog and donate to the show, which is a great way to support us. And we set the minimum donation at $4, I believe, so it's not going to break the bank, as they say. All right, so we'll get back to the show now. Just wanted to remind you, there are things you can do to help us along. All your dogs are
0: rescues? So I have two dogs from breeders, and all the others are rehomes. So I'm in touch with the breeders, where they originally came from, but they were from families who just knew that they had... A lot on their hands.
2: Hmm. How many years is is there an average number of years that you might get from a dog before you have to retire them? And what happens when you're like, oh my God, he's done.
0: So I know a lot of people in my industry, they keep all of their old dogs, but they typically have like a spouse at home that can watch the ones that they don't have. I am not that person. So when I leave my house, there's nobody here. And I basically decide if, one, if a dog has outgrown what they do, which I've only had happen once. He was three and a half when I retired him. And Marvel here, who's about to retire, she's going to be nine. And truly, she could keep working. But she, uh, can I say the word? female dog on here. <laughs> she's a diva. Let it fly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Marvel's a bitch. That's an and she'll, sh- she'll mess up another dog. Um, and she's a uh, really difficult to live with. So I've lived with her for the past eight years and I'm excited for her to just fly free and go to Canada and live with my dad. So,
2: so some dogs might be done at three and a half and some dogs may make it to nine
0: or, or older. It's yeah. just the dog. Mm-hmm. It, Hero retired at seven due to medical issues. Um, he has a heart condition. And so if he didn't have that, he's 13 now. He would wow. 100% still want to work. That's amazing. Sarah,
1: we know your dogs are really, really super. And you were talking about how all behavior, how we sort of put things in boxes, like teaching a dog to shake is a trick, but teaching, you know, a sit-stay is obedience and people kind of compartmentalizing these things. Talk to our listeners and and just pet parents out there about, like, what could their own dog do? Like, do you think people are selling their dog short or setting that bar too low? Like, when you see basic behaviors, knowing that you, super collie mom, could train anything. But, like, what do you see when you're interacting with people? Do you think people think their dog's a lemon compared to all your dogs? Are they judging them?
0: So, yes and no. I have quite a few friends now that are just pet parents. And if they're listening to this, I love you. But um, they don't hold their dogs accountable. So they have taught their dogs something, but they don't hold them accountable. And that is what ruins behaviors. My dogs are held accountable every single day.
2: What does that mean?
0: Um, If my dog was told to lay on a dog bed and two seconds later he gets up and walks away and I do absolutely nothing, that dog's just not going to stay on the dog bed. So I would hold them accountable. So do
2: I get to ask what you would do or you don't want Um, to You can.
0: Yeah, you can. So my dogs are, dogs are, are trained to the point where I just have to look at them and they're like, oops, I messed up. And they'll go back to their bed. But a regular pet parent would probably have a jar of cookies or their dog's meal and make sure to lure them back or just walk over, and their dog might make the right decision to go back on the bed and lie down. But it's just about rewarding the behavior and building the duration. And then once the behavior's solid, just holding them accountable. And that's truly how I get to where I'm at with performing with a new dog. That dog's been proofed and held accountable, and they know what the behavior is when I ask for it in any situation.
2: How many days a year are you on the
1: road?
0: Uh, Last year, I was on the road six months out of the year. And that was straight. This year, it's only three months. Only three months. Trying to enjoy my house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mark, think about your road trip with Hank to Seattle and all the foibles and things that came along with you and your one dog. Like picture Sarah in the vehicle for months at a time with all those dogs just going place to place. It's unbelievable.
0: My cats like to escape, too. So it's really fun. But they're probably really
2: happy with you.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: But right? but like
0: it's just a lot of problem solving and stopping to potty dogs and making sure I listen if a dog is whining that typically doesn't whine. Like make sure that I'm just really staying on top of that. <laughs> um, it's it's a lot. It is a lot.
2: Is there somebody else with you? Do you have an assistant? You, it's you.
0: No.
2: You and the dogs. It's
0: just me. <laughs> yes.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> I want to go for one of those rides. <laughs> do you need an assistant? Yeah. Mark is, yeah. <laughs> is going to submit a CV for you. Yeah. I, only I might ask... be able to
0: do an, like an unpaid internship where Fine. you have to drive your Done. own vehicle. And then whenever I stop, you potty all the dogs.
2: <laughs> oh, 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 I get it. No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mark is a whiz with a poo bag. You're going to love working with him. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny.
2: Oh, my God. Sarah,
1: I have a question for you. I've watched a lot of your performances and- A lot of your prompts or cues seem like they're linked or you have chained of behaviors. A lot of times in the dog training world, we call this context-specific learning. Like you just mentioned, I can just look at my dogs where they have such a history of working with you. They know they're not reading your mind. They know, oh, I better get back on that spot that has this rich reinforcement history. Nothing's going to happen. We're not going to progress until we get there. How do you use context specific learning in your training when you're putting together these shows to prompt behavior after behavior what I would call a behavior chain? How does that work yeah, for
0: you? Yeah, so I personally don't think that my dogs are pattern trained at all or know sequences particularly like
1: they're waiting for each discriminating stimulus between. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz like Joker recently um, he learned to roll over with me. And in the theater show we just recently had, I asked him to spin, and it was like the next cue was gonna be the rollover, and he rolled over instead of like instead of spinning. So there's things like that. So that would pretty much just be patterning. But for the most part, I cue every single thing. Like when I did AGT, the number one question I got was, "How do you train your dogs to remember all of those tricks?" All right. of, like. How do I remember those
1: things? (laughs) You bring in the choreographer, Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah,
2: you're you're a choreographer.
1: That's exactly what you are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm.
1: Speaking of which, what is that process? I mean Like, obviously, you're very creative and you are theatrical just yourself as Sarah Carson. But like, how are you coming up with some of the ideas? Obviously, there's input when you're on AGT or doing a theater show or a stunt show of like, here's what we're trying to accomplish. But where do you look for inspiration for tricks or routines? Like, are you solely looking in the dog world for other people doing this? Or are you looking to other industries? Where, where do you get inspiration?
0: So typically I would go on YouTube and just watch other canine freestyle videos. But when I was doing AGT, honestly, I was just going off of his repertoire. So when I did America's Got Talent, there was a choreographer and they would basically give me this PDF of what my theme was. So I never got to choose that.
1: Interesting. I
0: would kind of sort of get to choose music, but typically they never went with what I wanted. <laughs> so I got the, I got the theme, and that was enough for me to kind of work up what I wanted. So when I did the Champions one, I knew that I wanted it to be like a bank robbery gone wrong, basically.
2: Yeah, so
0: I, I taught the the suitcase trick and I taught the retrieving the money bag and putting it in the cart and pushing the cart and like all those things to kind of go into that. But yeah, it, it really, truly kind of just came together
1: wasn't the suitcase trick one of those kind of first things that got you and Hero noticed? I feel like you told me that back in the day.
0: Oh yeah, it's still it's still a gift to this day. Tell
1: Mark <laughs> what the suitcase trick was.
0: Um so I took this video and it was of just this big blue suitcase in the middle of the forest and Hero would come into the scene, pop the lid, go into the suitcase and the lid would close on his face. And it just became this really big thing that people really liked.
2: I get that. Yeah. How old were you when you realized you loved dogs? I was probably three. How old were you?
0: <laughs> um, I started training my first dog when I was around eleven, so I didn't get my first dog until I was about ten. So I, I, w- I would assume if I got a dog sooner in life, then maybe I don't. I don't think I'd be any further than I am now, but I might have a little more experience. But I, yeah, I was about eleven, and I started uh, competing in agility with my cocker spaniel. And then by the time I was 15, I was running my own dog training facility in my little Canadian town.
2: So part of your story, I believe, is that when you decided you wanted to make a career of this, your family wasn't supportive.
0: Yeah. No, they thought it was was crazy. Yeah. Was that tough for you? They, uh, eh, I'm not really close with my family. Like I never was because I was, I was always just a little different. Um, so I did become really close to my dad over the past few years. Um, and my, my grandma is like probably the number one person in my life that I talk to almost every day, but I, I'm not really super close, but Mm -hmm. growing up, I was definitely a loner. Yeah.
1: You know, it's so cool because a lot of people have these hobbies and passions and now everything's standardized and you know with social media you s- tend to see this kind of going towards trends and following trends and and really you were kind of an outlier it sounds like in your family and in your community and everybody thought you were quote-unquote crazy and you know proofs in the pudding here you are not only doing it full time but making a living at it and making it following that passion and career You know, I was at the um, canine science symposium years ago in ASU, and I'm sitting there with all these academics who are basically saying the same thing. So, you're not crazy. And they're saying, you know, we've been laughed at for all these years like dogs aren't serious business. And now we're seeing more and more people who are turning these into real awesome, amazing jobs. And we have, you know, guests on this show that, basically said i don't care if you think this is silly like i'm going all in and that's so inspirational to see you've always done that although i i believe you told me you were a squirrel trainer in the beginning right
0: I would spend a lot of time training chipmunks in my grandma's backyard. (laughs) Yes.
1: Their desire to rewild your heart. I love it. So how do we not get the super spaniels? How do we get the super collies?
0: Uh, uh, I got Hero. And I just kind of, I I believe my handle was Hero the Super Collie uh, until I got my second dog, which was Marvel. So it just kind of evolved. I mean, I have a mixture of Marvel and DC names now. So... It's still, still pretty super.
1: And the new girl's name is going to be?
0: Uh, her name's Gambit.
1: Gambit. Whoa, that's a throwback to the X-Men days, I think. Yeah. Showing yeah. my nerdies. <laughs> <laughs> I'd
2: love to know a little bit about the work that you do with veterans.
0: Oh, yeah. So I spent quite a few years when I was living in California training service dogs for veterans. So I haven't done that in the past few years. But when I was out in California, I was there for just about five years living outside Los Angeles. So I was training um, dogs for pretty much everything you could imagine. The most difficult case was a lab that I actually pulled from a shelter and trained him to retrieve a stylus for a quadriplegic and put the stylus in his mouth so he could uh, use his iPad.
1: Very cool. Was that both mobility and psychiatric service animals?
0: Um, yep. Yep. I have trained. Um, it was a Swiss mountain dog for mobility. Very cool.
1: So Drew, this is feeling a little bit like
2: the comfort dog idea. Is there any connection there?
1: Actually, so we were just interviewing Meg Olmert, who works along um, the Warrior Canine Connection. Oh, cool. And another group she works with is the Comfort Dog Program in Uganda. And, and kind of this model, and it might sound familiar to you, Sarah, is, taking these dogs from situations that need that second chance and and working towards finding their natural abilities and strengths Mm -hmm. and pairing them with wounded servicemen and women or with survivors of the civil war in uganda and really finding that sort of symbiotic relationship of working together and it's interesting listening to you talk about your selection process and training And I've heard you talk in the past about how much structure goes into your training programs and things like that. I'm sure that's tenfold when when you're working with service animals. Can you talk to us a little bit about that as far as kind of your philosophy? And you said the word accountability earlier, like, I know you like structure. So tell us what that looks like in a training program.
0: I really just think that it has to do with what your goals are for the dog. So a dog that needs to perform in front of thousands of people can't be given a million chances to do something right. So when I'm training something, I'm training it to get it right every single time. And I do want to say that there's something called show smart, where we bring our dogs out. They know everything. They know what they're supposed to do. And they get out there and they have the zoomies. (laughs) So (laughs) they're very show smart. They know we can't, hold them accountable on a stage in front yeah. of thousands of people and they know it. And yeah. it is just, Oh my goodness. It's
2: so frustrating.
0: <laughs> it's just.
2: Is there such a thing as a working dog? I mean, that's a, a, a real thing.
0: So, I mean, that's what, that's a what minor. Yeah. So th-
2: it's just based on, okay, so this dog likes to work. Like you said, your dog l- likes to work. Mm-hmm. So at that point it's a working dog.
0: I would also say like the difference between a pet who would probably be on this couch right now or on that dog bed chewing on a bone. And then there are mine that are outside in a very expensive, fancy dog kennel where they have their space. They come out, they work, they go back into their space. We travel, we do our thing in the RV. Then we come home and they go back to their space because they're working dogs. So I'll bring a dog in the house, but like that's where they stay for.
2: I just want to clear it up. The so they, they're in their house, their dog house, right? Does that work?
0: Sure. It's an in and outdoor kennel. Like it's They're, they're in nice. their kennel. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay. They're in their kennel. I'm in the dog house, but they're in the kennel. Okay. And you sound like a spouse that?
1: who's in trouble, Mark.
2: Yeah. I'm always, hello. I'm always in the doghouse. <laughs> they come out, they work. That mm-hmm. means you're training with them. Is that what you mean by they come out, they work?
0: Yeah, or we go hiking and we do like just regular activities, but it's not like they're in the house eating my couch
1: or, or sweeping
2: the floors. It's not that kind this, of work.
1: You could probably no, they don't teach do that either. You could probably <laughs> teach them to Mark, sweep the Mark, floors. They're not Roombas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So, Mark, a lot of times <laughs> this distinction you'll hear. Um, dog professionals talk about pet quality and working lines. Um, so you can have the same breed, like, say, a Malinois, and we might say, oh, that's a really, you know, pet quality Malie who they just want to snuggle and go hiking. Mm-hmm. And they're still higher energy dogs, but they're not like, I need to jump out of a helicopter Malinois. They're not neurotic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and some yeah. of these behaviors are selectively bred for you know, I used to pull dogs for the shelters and it was like, okay, this dog needs to get involved in search and rescue or police work like right now, like yesterday, because this dog is going to go crazy if I put him in Mark Drucker's living room and he's going to eat everything in that house waiting for Mark to give him more to do. Do you think average families should be getting working line dogs, be that? Dutchies or high power herding breeds, or, you know, you even mentioned your golden was a a field quality, like, what would that look like for the average home? And, And what are the cautionary tales about that from your point of view?
0: I would say that there are, it's a very small percentage of families that should be getting that kind of dog, even border collies, like any sort of herding breed, anything like that unless they're hiking every single day, they don't go to work for eight hours a day. Like yeah. <laughs> these dogs are full-time jobs. My guys, they settled pretty well, but ironically enough, my Golden is the only dog that can't be in the kennel. He would, he is so neurotic, runs back and forth, screams his head off, and the Border Collies are just lying in their kennels, chewing on their antlers, being like, what are you doing? So it is, it, it's very special dogs that are good for active families, but yeah, no, they they definitely should not be purchasing working line anything.
2: <laughs> I think my first golden Baxter was a working dog. We lived in Manhattan in this, in New York, and he used to walk up the block. I would give him shopping bags to carry in his mouth and he'd walk up the whole block with the bag in his mouth and he loved it. Was he a working so I, dog?
0: I, I mean, I would say that that's just a breed trait. Like well, Goldens I couldn't get, get my other
2: one to do that, and Hank, oh my god! <laughs>
0: Every dog is different, but right. Archer will hold Archer will hold everything and anything. And when he uh-huh. greets people, I always have to either give him a pacifier or tell them that he's going to grab your hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's not biting you; he just wants to hold your hand.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many dogs I've gone through like behavior tests with, and I'm like, can he just hold something in his mouth? Because otherwise your hand is going in his mouth. <laughs> These yes. Orally yeah. fixated, usually field dogs. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're looking at that, Sarah, if, if you met Mark and he's like, oh, my dog carries things around, is this a little bit where you're saying like the dog will select behaviors where you'll see something like a really paw-oriented dog yep. or a dog stealing something up off a high surface and be like, oh, how could I use that? How could I shape that behavior?
0: Yeah, it's like a dog that barks a lot. I always tell people to actually put it on cue, and that way you can have a time when <laughs> the dog can bark and have a time when it can't. Sarah, you know how um, you
1: said people thought you were crazy? <laughs> that is like the behavior that I always tell people Like your dog is already barking Let's put it on control like stimulus control And people are like why would we teach him to bark I'm like he's already barking <laughs> Let's teach him bark bark enough Or quiet
2: exactly. It's like putting a
1: dimmer switch on that behavior
2: Can you yeah. come over?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need you to come over Boulder's it's on funny. the way from Kentucky to oh where, where is this show And what is, the, what is the show you're doing right now? Are you allowed to talk? Um. About so it?
0: I'm just doing theater shows with a a stunt dog company, and they're actually like four hours away in Kentucky. And then after this, I I'm actually going to Global for the first time this year, which I'm really excited about.
2: In Orlando? Yeah, Global Pet Expo. Oh, I went two years ago.
0: Th- was I'm it fun? Of going? Did you like it?
2: Yeah, that's where I met Ellie the Golden. Okay. He's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Drew and I we've talked about we should go down to that show again. It was a very good show. As I was going to ask you, do you go to shows like that or Super Zoo in Las Vegas? Is yep, there a place I've, there for I've done for Super you?
0: Zoo twice. Yeah, just it just really depends. Um, so global this year, I'm performing at a an after party, and then I'm working with a, a treat company that I'm pretty close with. So it's sometimes the is there, and sometimes it's not. Um, I couldn't go to Super Zoo this year because I'm already booked for. A, I think it's a fair at the time. But yeah, it's just I do a variety of events. I mean, I'm going to New York for two weeks to perform at a nightclub with my dogs. So it's very different all of the time.
2: And that nightclub would be just curious?
0: Uh it's it's a twenty one plus 1.30 in the morning show. So it's a whole it's, new it's, environment
1: it's, for the dog to get used to. Which I, which dogs yeah. are gonna go clubbing with you?
0: So I did it last year with Marvel and Hawkeye, and Hawkeye shut down the second week. He Mm -hmm. was like, this is way too much. I can't handle this. And so I'm going to take Marvel and Joker this time. And that's actually going to be Marvel's last show.
1: Have you noticed that like time of days? Like I don't know what time they shoot television programs, but I find a a lot of the dogs work better at certain times of days with their circadian rhythms. Do you have any issues with that?
0: I haven't, no, I haven't noticed anything like that. Like I said, um, working dogs, True.
1: when they come out, they're ready to go.
0: Yeah. And it's like when I did it last year, we slept all day and we just changed our entire pattern. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Do you stay in a hotel in Manhattan
0: in New York? <laughs> they provide an apartment.
1: Oh, I see. That's great. Okay. Hey there. Just one last quick little break before we wrap up our conversation today. I just wanna remind you that this episode was brought to you by Wonder Walker Harnesses. This versatile dog harness is great for all dogs, especially those who really pull against your leash. You'll notice a difference on your walks right away, and it should give you peace of mind to know you're using the best equipment, which matters a lot when it comes to keeping you and your dog safe and comfortable. Go to wonderwalkerbodyhalter.com and use promo code LOVEDOG at checkout. That's love dog, all one word, wonderwalkerbodyhalter.com. Also, you've heard Sarah Carson and I talking about how essential food and treats are in our training programs. That's why I love Fig and Tyler. If you're a pet parent, you want to get your hands on these premium treats that the pros use, they have a special offer just for our listeners. Go to figandtyler.com now and put LOVEDOG in the promo code at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your first order. They've also got an amazing program for pet professionals. If you want to sign up, go to the Pet Pros tab on figandtyler.com and click Join Program. Make sure you put Love Dog in the Referral tab. You're going to love the Pet Pro perks. These are simply the best treats you can buy. F-I-G-A-N-D-T-Y-L-E-R.com. Check them out. All right, Sarah, I'm going to throw some rapid fire questions at you. And I just want kind of like... Top of your head answers of what you think, like what comes to mind, okay? Okay. <laughs> we'll see if you have working lines too. Okay. What's the most useful skill or trick for people to use in everyday life? Back up. What's the origin of the Marvel and superhero theme?
0: Honestly, there's no there's no origin. I named Hero Hero because he saved me, and then it kind of just went from there.
1: Who's your favorite
0: dog? Right now it's Joker. He reminds me of Loki, and so that's Aww. that's why, yeah.
1: What have working with dogs taught you about yourself and humanity as a whole?
0: It has taught me that dogs are better than people and to just surround yourself with a lot of dogs.
2: <laughs> I like that. That's going to work for me, actually.
1: Well, yeah. Mark, you're already hired. You don't need to suck up. Right, <laughs> right. oh yeah. Just get your poop bags.
2: I, I get I'm a I'm a non paid intern, right? That's what I am. Yeah. On the road. Yep. Cool. All
1: right. That yeah, works. Well, this is great. You know, I I was so inspired when I met you and Hero all those years ago. And he's obviously just one of those special dogs, just watching you move through the world together is a really neat thing to, you know, get to witness and see from afar and you know, I I want to give you a little bit of credit because I told you, I saw you at a dog training conference all these years ago when usually old, usually typically old white men would stand on stages and tell us things about things that were true 20, 30 years ago. And you were just like a breath of fresh air. You know, you came into the room and you said like, I'm 30, 40 years younger than most of the people here on this panel and here's how I'm doing things and here's how I'm reaching audiences. You know, you talked about influencer, but you were influencing people, A, before it was cool with social tools and in person and you really did breathe fresh air into an industry where people are going, how do we do this? And what I like is you're a pioneer and you kind of said, you know, you can do things your own way and you can kind of follow your passion and drive. And I think you have a lot of drive. And so you are also a working dog if I were to label you, but I just want to thank you for your energy and you just bring it all the time. And I can't wait to see what you do from here because it's really incredible.
0: I I really appreciate that.
1: I really enjoyed meeting you. This is great.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you guys so much again for having me. I
2: love what you do. I mean, I watched a lot of your work and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. I I can't even fathom the skill
0: that it takes to do what you do. No, no, no. It's just patience. That's all it is.
1: Sarah Mark mentioned how many different things you're involved in and I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about the app that you've partnered with and been doing for years Pupper. Can you tell us a little bit about Pupper and and tell our listeners where they can find it and what exactly it does and how they can use it to improve their lives with their animals?
0: Of course. Yeah. Pupper is a free to download app on iOS and Android. It's actually the number one dog training app on iOS and Android. It's been an app of the day several times and featured in the Google Play Store. So it's an app that features all of the regular basic obedience stuff. And then it goes into all the fun tricks that I do with my dogs. The most recent feature is master classes, where you can actually learn from different trainers all around uh, North America.
1: That's so cool.
0: Yeah, it's all different sports and um, different training things like detection. Uh, it is it, honestly, it's everything you need for dog training right in your pocket.
1: And so this is pupper p u p p r, correct?
0: Yes. No so e.
1: people can find that, search that in iOS or Android, and then you can start training your dogs. And before you know it, you'll you'll be doing stunt dog shows and shopping for Kevlar vests on the internet, right?
0: Most likely, yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
2: That was a great chat. Thank you, Sarah. As we said from the beginning, something different for us. We're so glad Sarah came on. She's a very interesting person. Loved having her. And if you want to follow her, and I think you should, you can follow her at the Super Collies or at the Super Collies Mom. She's got two social media handles. And if you'd like to support us in this podcast, we would love that. You can do it a few ways. You can follow us on our Instagram and our TikTok, which is at Love Dog News. You can follow on your favorite podcast app. You can spread the word, tell a friend if you think they might find the show helpful and enjoyable. And you can buy us a coffee on ko fi K-O-F-I, forward slash love $4 minimum donation. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And until next time, happy
0: howling. Dogs are better than people. Surround yourself with a lot of dogs. I like that. (laughs) That's going to work for me, actually. (laughs)